Welcome to Spring Ridge Church Podcast. We hope that you will be blessed by the podcast today. If you would like to find out more information about our church, our website's www.springridgechurch.com. You can send an email to me, the pastor, Scott Phillips, at pastor at springridgechurch.com. And uh, we'd love to hear from you. Prayer requests, questions, desire for a Bible study, or you would like some information how to attend our church or another church of like precious faith. Thank you. Enjoy the podcast. Amen to 1 Kings. I believe it's 1 Kings. Amen. I, uh, I'm thankful for the fact that the Lord still speaks to us. At any given day or moment that I desire, that I want to know the voice of the Lord, I can, I can open up His Word and His Word still speaks to us. And I find that there is a witness in my spirit. Amen. Because the Bible is more than a book of ink and paper. It is the inspired Word of God. And if I will open it up in faith, listening for the voice of the Spirit, the Lord will speak to me through His Word. How many of you found that to be true? And I'm glad also that that if I will take the time, I will close my eyes and, and, and turn my faith toward the Lord and begin to commune with His Spirit and just pour out my heart and tell the Lord about my troubles. Amen. The Lord still speaks in a still, small voice. And I also believe that the Lord has chosen through the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And I am persuaded today that in the process of this message, if you will listen, if you will have ears to hear, I believe the Lord would speak to you today. I want the Lord to speak to me today. 1 Kings chapter 17. There is a great drought in Israel brought about by the word of God. The land was in trouble spiritually long before it was in trouble physically. And much like today, our land is in trouble. And it's been in trouble physically, spiritually for a very long time. But I would like to preach to you today that there is a source, no matter how troubled our land may be or may become. In 1 Kings chapter 17, beginning with verse 7, and it came to pass after a while, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. And the word of the Lord came unto him, Elijah, saying, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. So he, Elijah, arose and went
went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there gathering of sticks. And he called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to fetch it, he called her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand. And she said, As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel, and a little oil in a cruise. And behold, I am gathering two sticks, that I may go in and dress it for me and my son, that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said unto her, Fear not, go and do as thou hast said, but make me thereof a little cake first, and bring it unto me. And after that, make for thee and for thy son. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, The barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil fail, until the day of the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah, and she and he and her house did eat many days. Verse 16, And the barrel of meal wasted not, Neither did the cruise of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord, which he spake by Elijah. Amen. And for just a little while, I want to preach to you along the subject, we are in this together. Say that with me. We are in this together. Amen. You can be seated. There exists... A connection to all of humanity. We share a common environment. From the sun shines down its rays to the stars that surround us, to the air that we breathe and the water that we drink, we are all in this together. Amen. All of humanity was made in the image of God. And though we all may look a little different, you may have a different tint of color. You may have a different texture of hair. You may have a different color of eye. You may have a different uh, 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 measurement of your stature. You may tip the scale a little different than others. But the Bible tells us that God hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on all the face of the earth. Every one of us have a common ancestor in Adam and Eve. In fact, science has proclaimed it to be true that we all descend from a common parent. It's hard for them to admit that. But those, the deeper they will search, the more... Uh, staggering the evidence is that the word of God and its declarations are true. Amen. He, the, the God, the creator of all things, hath, hath made us all of one blood. 
God is the source of our breath. Everybody say God. God. He's the source of our strength. Somebody say God. God. He's the source of our bread. We have one source. And the Bible says, God maketh the sun to rise on the evil and the good and sendeth rain on the just and the unjust. The fact that there is one God who hath made us all is a fact that some may dispute, but the disputation does not make it a valid controversy. Like it or lump it, we are in this together. In John chapter 3 and verse 16 may be one of the most quoted scriptures in the Bible. For God so loved the world. For God so loved the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. There is a provision made for all. However, there is little compulsion for many to enter into the covenant. Truth of the matter is there dwells in all of flesh a proclivity toward resistance of God's will. It is in our nature to doubt. It is in our nature to be critical and skeptical. And there is within us a gravity in our heart to doubt God when it seemed that it would be more convenient to believe and walk in the light. Oftentimes our nature leads us down the dark shadow, shadow paths that lead us to failure and disappointment. And though today there are all kinds of things happening in the world today, it would seem almost as if the world and humanity is, is, is reaching a, a higher pitch of iniquity. And it seems like uh, darkness is growing in its intensity. It seems that iniquity doth abound. But I take great comfort today. The Bible tells us that where iniquity doth abound, so much more the grace of God doth abound. Amen. Sometimes I may not see the grace, but I believe that the grace exists. I feel the presence of his grace here today, and I know it to be true for myself. And the Bible declares that God is no respecter of persons. And the same grace I enjoy, he desires that all would enjoy that we all would de- drink deeply from the same river, that river of life, that God would connect us to the, 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 the fountainhead of life, the, the rivers of life, the springs of life that we find in our faith in Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. You know, there is within us a nature to resist. Everybody say resistance. I would say to you, our ability to resist is not a bad thing. I believe it is a gift to resist. But it is up to us to determine what we will resist. 
because it's like a magnet. There are only two sides to the magnet. You can turn a magnet in one direction and it is drawn to one magnet that is next to it. But you can flip that magnet around and that same power that would draw it, it is turned and it repels. The resistance is built in. Attraction is built in. But we determine which way our soul will be turned and what we will submit to and what we will resist. Amen. So often flesh leads us to resist the wrong things. Amen. We know, I quoted it to you earlier, Jesus died for the sins of the whole world, and yet the whole world is not saved. Why? I would say to you it is because this this inborn ability nature to resist. The Bible tells us, in fact, you can read it to be true, but this is a summation that Jesus came to the Jews. The Jews were God's chosen people. Why were the Jews God's chosen people? Because they were the seed of, of a man who God had a special relationship. Abraham was a man in his generation that was righteous, that pursued after the things of God. And based on scripture, he seemed to be a solitaire in his generation. You find many times in scripture, it seems like while the rest of the world was resisting God and on the highway to hell, there were individuals who stood out and went in a different direction. And I believe it is because they had turned their resistance away from the world and turned their attraction toward God. Somebody say praise God. Amen. And the Bible tells us the Lord came to the seed of Abraham. He came unto his own, but his own received him not. They did not respond to his drawing. And so the Bible says, but as many as received him, in verse 12, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Amen. They weren't born of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And so the thing I want to highlight to you today in this, in this spirit that where God is trying to draw us together to him, we must recognize there is a universal principle. If you want to succeed in the kingdom, if you want to be blessed by God, you have to bring yourself into the principle of submission, submitting yourself to God. Amen. God's ways are the best. However, his ways rub us the wrong way. We tend toward convenience and what serves our agenda. And God often draws us to inconvenience to serve his agenda. You see this principle played out in Genesis chapter 4. And verse 3, the Bible says, In the process of time uh, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel also brought the firstlings of his flock and the fat thereof. 
And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering, but unto Cain and to his offering, God had no respect. And Cain was wroth. He was angry and his countenance was fell. And, and, and the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why are you wroth? Why is your face, your countenance fallen? If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. And unto thee shall be his desire, and thou, thou shalt rule over him. If thou doest well, thou shalt be accepted. In this story, I believe we see a principle. Here are two believers. Here are two worshipers, two people that believe in God, Cain and Abel. The Bible says in the process of time, when he got around to it, he gave from gave the Lord that which came from the ground. What that means is he, when he wanted to serve God, how he was wanted to serve God, that was his offering. And God had no respect. Why did God not respect the faith, the worship, the prayer of Cain? Because Cain put no priority or premium in his worship to God. But the Bible says that Abel gave God his firstlings and his fat. Abel gave his priority and his premium. And the Lord said to Cain, hey, if you will do, essentially, if you'll do like Abel did, you will be blessed and he will serve you. But Cain, you've got to submit to the example that I bless. Cain was not an unbeliever. Cain was not an atheist. Cain was... You find the Lord spoke to Cain three times and the Bible doesn't even show us that God spoke to Abel. What does that mean to us? It shows us that even in the first children of Adam and Eve, there is a, a, a compare and contrast to that which is, it's not Cain, it's ain't. I ain't going to do what you want me to do. And there is able, there is willing, he is willing to respond to what the Lord is calling for. I, 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 I don't know how he knew what it was God wanted, but there was something in him that said, I want to give God my best, and I want to give God my first. There was a voice of the Spirit that taught Abel, this is how you worship God. That same spirit spoke to Cain and said, that is how you worship me. But that you see that the response, rather than repenting and learning from an example that is blessed, he slew Cain, killed Abel. When Abel could have been a pattern he could follow for blessing, he killed it. And we see that same spirit today. Uh, if you ever are in a workplace and there ever is a, con a conversation about serving God and anything that has to do with distinction or, or holiness and separation, they will say things like, well, you mean you think I'm going to hell? Right. You think you're better than me? I believe in God. I do this. I do that. That's not the, the, the discussion. The discussion is, are we willing to seek after the pattern that God blesses or are we just going to serve God how we 
preaching to the choir today. I, I celebrate you today. Amen. Those of you that, 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 that are right now paying attention and, and your spirit is engaged. Amen. There's something inside of us. There is a call of God that is calling us to give him our best and our priority. Amen. Amen. Submission is such a powerful thing. Submitting yourselves one to another. The the, the real proof of submission to God is not, it's not that we say, I'm submitted to you, Lord. But the proof of it is, are we willing to submit ourselves to one another? That's the proof in the pudding. The scripture says, how can you say you love God whom you've not seen and not love your brother whom you have seen? And the greatest way we demonstrate submission, there is a spirit of mutual submission that says, we are in this together. We, we, are, we are in this together. I, I was trying to think of an image, and, and I think this is a good image. You know, one guy on this team could make them lose. He just got to let go. He's just got to quit pulling. He can just go through the motions. But but these guys are giving it all. They, they, they're pulling up the turf. They got their shoes all the way down. They, they, they're wholly committed because the only way one of them wins is they all have to win. And I'm telling you today, I believe the thing the Lord impressed upon my mind, the first thought that went through my mind when I woke up this morning is we are in this together. Amen. In Romans chapter 15 and verse 1, it says, We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let every one of us please his neighbor for his good edification. For even Christ pleased not himself. But as it is written, the reproaches of them that reproacheth thee fell on me. For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning that that we through patience and comfort of the scripture might have hope. We quote that scripture a lot. The things that were written in the Bible, the Old Testament was written that we can learn about the New Testament. But the context of that is that there is a, a, a mutual spirit of, of connectiveness. Verse 5, now the God of patience and consolation grant you to be like-minded one toward another according to Christ Jesus that ye may with one mind and one mouth glorify God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Wherefore receive ye one another as Christ also received us to the glory of God. We are in this together. Together. You see a picture of this spirit in the relationship between Jonathan and David. Jonathan's father was the king. Jonathan was the next heir of the throne if it was up to Saul. And no doubt he had the privileges of the king's son. He had the pomp and the circumstance of the king's son. He had the sword you would expect a king's son to have. But the Lord had chosen David over Jonathan. The Lord had chosen David to be the next king. 
And, but Jonathan and David were close, close friends. And, and there came a day, Jonathan's was like, well, what, you, where are you going? You going to come to lunch with me? And, and David says, no, your father has decided to kill me. And Jonathan said, no, my dad's not decided to kill you. Everything's fine. And David says, okay, here's the test. You go, go, to, go to lunch, go to dinner, sit down with your father and eat. In a few days, it's going to come up. Where is David? And you tell him you gave me permission to go to Bethlehem. And, and when you tell him that, if he's fine and well, good, I hope he has a good time. Look forward to seeing him. You, you will know that you're right. Your dad's not out to get me. But if he gets angry and gets mad and begins to curse, you will know that what I'm telling you is true. Saul intends to kill David. A few days go by exactly like David called it. Saul got so angry that he threw a javelin at his son. And he says, don't you know that as long as David is alive, your throne is in jeopardy? But Jonathan was not in it for what he had to get. There was something in the spirit of Jonathan said, I want what is God's will for the kingdom. Amen. And I'm telling you, sometimes we got to be willing to serve the throne of another. Amen. And be willing to serve the purpose of another for us to truly fulfill God's purpose in our life. Amen. And I'm telling you today, amen, we are all in this together. Hallelujah. Amen. James chapter 4, I'm going to read a few scriptures. From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence even of your lusts that war in your members? Ye lust and have not, ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. Ye fight and war, yet ye have not because ye ask not. Ye ask and receive not because ye ask amiss that ye may consume it upon your own lust. Ye adulterers and adulteresses. He's not speaking of physical adultery. He's talking about uh, those that love the world so much that it's a spiritual problem. Know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity, is strife, is war with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of this world is the enemy of God. That's strong. Paul, Paul the, James it's not writing to the world. James is writing to the church. He's saying, why are you fighting with one another? Why are you at war with one another? He's talking to people in the church. He says, you're carnal. You are in spiritual adultery because you love the world rather than the things of God. When you pray, you're just praying for what you want. Yeah. Somebody said amen. amen. And I'm telling you today, we have to recognize that our true submission to God is we will pray for what is best. We will work for what is best. We will make ourselves servants of one another that someone else can be blessed by what I do, what I pray for them. Somebody say praise God. Praise God. Amen. Do you think that scripture saith in vain the spirit dwelleth in us? Lusteth to envy, but he, God, giveth more grace where he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Verse 7, submit yourselves therefore to God. Say that with me. Submit yourselves therefore to God. 
<laughs> Period. The next statement, resist the devil and he will flee from you. The reason why many people have no power over the devil is that you've got their resistance turned on to God. You can't resist God and the devil at the same time. You've got to submit yourself to God and all that may entail. God may be asking you to let go, come out, amen, turn this off, pick this up. God is speaking to you one thing and we naturally are resisting. Oh, we might sing amazing grace and we say our prayer over our food and we love Jesus, we carry our Bible. But there is this big wall of resistance to these areas God is dealing with us. And we have all this stuff going on around us. And we're wondering why we don't have power over the devil. It's because we have not fully submitted and surrendered ourselves to God. Amen. God, help me to be fully submitted and surrendered to you. So that when the devil comes in like a flood. Amen. All I got to do is say in the name of Jesus Christ, I'm submitted to God. He will answer for me. Hallelujah. Man, I feel the Holy Ghost here today. Amen. I don't know what you're going through today. I don't know what you're about to go through, but I'm here to encourage you today. Amen. We are in this together. Amen. I can make a difference in your life, and you can make a difference in my life, and each of you can make a difference in one another's life. Amen. We've got to have a, a, a baptism of a spirit that we love one another, that we pray for one another, that we seek after the good for one another. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourself, therefore, in the sight of God. Humble yourself, therefore, in the sight of God. Lord, I humble myself today. Forgive me for every pride. You pray this for yourself. Forgive me for every prideful thought. Forgive me, Lord, for everything in my agenda that I have not considered you in. Everything I des desire, Lord, that I've not considered you in. Everything that I enjoy, that, Lord, I haven't considered you in. Lord, I humble myself in the sight of God. Because the only way God can lift us up, we got to bring ourselves down. Amen. In the, in, in the Gospels, there is a discussion about James and John. Amen. I really believe the mother of James and John was prompted by some discussions she heard her sons making. She came to Jesus and said, uh, Jesus, can my son sit on the right hand? And the left of your throne. And Jesus basically said, that's, that, that, that's, that's to be determined. And he said, uh, wherever they sit, but are you able to drink the cup I'm going to drink? The Bible says that the other disciples, the other ten got mad because they were conniving about what their position would be in the kingdom. And, and you look at what happened to James was one of the very first martyrs in the New Testament. He was a powerful man of faith who led the church in Jerusalem. He was greatly respected and God had used him mightily in the church. And we know he was a very important figure in the early church. But James had his cut, head cut off very early on in the church. But John, his brother, 
<laughs> they tried to kill him and he wouldn't die. He lived and lived and kept on living. He lived to the point in the 70s and 80s, maybe even his 90s. He wrote the Gospel of John and 1st, 2nd, 3rd John and the book of Revelation decades after his brother died. But neither one is more important or more pivotal to the kingdom of God. They each serve God the way God gave them to serve, and they serve the Lord and the same kingdom, though God dealt with them and gave them different opportunities. Amen. I mean, given choice, I'd rather not lose my head. I'm sure James would have said the same thing about himself. But the bottom line, at the end of the day, we are all subject to our master. Amen. We, we the house we live in and the, the jobs we have and, and, and the circumstances that define our lives. If you've been living for God for any length of days, you know I wouldn't have bread to eat if it wasn't God that helped me. You know you wouldn't have soundness of mind if God hadn't kept you. We know if it wasn't for the grace of God, we could be locked up in some padded cell or, or decomposing in a grave somewhere but by the grace of God we stand, we sit, we are here together because God has given us this time and this season together. Amen. We didn't know where we would be 20 years ago. We didn't know where we'd be 7 years ago but here we are today in the presence of the Lord after enduring a year like no other year we've ever lived in and we're still here together and we're still in it together and by the help and grace of God, I want to see you blessed. I want to see you anointed. I want to see you healed. I want to see you prosperous. I want to see you doing the work of God. Whatever that may be doing, we are in this together. Amen. And I, you know, we don't get to choose if we're James or John. We don't get to choose that. It's God. He's the one that directs our voice. He's the one that leads our path. Amen. I, I, I know that a lot of us today, if, we, if there were some things we could change about our life, looking forward as a 20-year-old person or a 30-year-old person or even old like Brother Dwayne. Amen. Amen. We can look and say, well, I, but you know, thank God, by the grace of God, I'm still standing. I'm still living. I'm still living for God. Amen. There are many places and things I could have, have, have went, but the Lord has helped me, and I want to stay submitted to his will. I want to stay connected to his purpose, and no matter how that I must find myself, amen, I am going to receive what I give. Amen, because we're in this together. Hallelujah. You know, uh, this past week on Tuesday, I went to a, a Bible study that I go to occasionally. I've fallen out for a while, but I went back the other day. Raymond went, and uh, they were reading the 11th chapter of Proverbs. And, and, and I, I, it just really stood out to me. If you, if you go back and read it, Proverbs chapter 11, there is a compare and contrast between the righteous and the wise and everyone else. And, and, and there is something wrapped up in the, the pursuit of a righteous person that, that's different than everybody else. 
Proverbs 11, verse 24, it says, There is that that scattereth or soweth and yet increaseth, and there is that that withholdeth more than is meat. But ten, in fact, let me read the NIV. It makes it a little easier. Verse 17, uh, uh, a different scripture. It's the same chapter. Those who are kind benefit themselves, but the cruel bring ruin on themselves. A wicked person earns deceptive wages, but the one who sows righteousness reaps a sure reward. Truly the righteous attain life, but whosoever pursues evil finds death. Verse 23, the desire of the righteous ends only in good, but the hope of the wicked only in wrath. One person gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. A generous person will prosper. Whosoever refresheth others will be refreshed. Say that with me. If I refresh others, I will be refreshed. People, people curse the ones who hoard grain. But they pray God's blessing on those who is willing to sell. Whosoever seeks good finds favor, but evil comes to one who searches for it. Those who trust in their riches will fall, but the righteous will thrive like a green leaf. Whosoever brings ruin on their family will inherit only the wind, and the fool will be servant to the wise. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and the one who is wise saves lives. There, there is a relationship. There is a responsibility that we owe one another because ultimately what we give others is what we received. Blessed are the merciful for they shall obtain mercy. Luke 6, 37, judge not that you be not judged, condemn not that you be not condemned, forgive and ye shall be forgiven. Psalms 126 and 5, they that sow in tears shall reap in joy. And he that goeth forth weepeth bearing precious seeds shall doubtless come again rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. And so there is a principle that is undeniable. You find it in Proverbs, but you find it all the way through the scripture. There, there, is, there is this spirit. It is a righteous spirit. That, that, that models the posture of God. Uh, to me, one of the best definitions of grace. How many are you glad for God's grace? Yes, amen. His grace is amazing. I've heard it defined, grace as defined as unmerited favor. And, and it, that, that is a definition. You cannot deserve God's grace, but grace is more than something that you don't deserve. And I think one of the best definitions I have ever seen is there basically the picture of God creating humanity. The Bible says that God made man from the dust of the earth and he breathed into him the breath of life. And the picture I have in my mind is God has formed Adam and there he is. He's, he's, he's got his fingers and his toes and he leans over him and he breathes in him. It's God. It's a picture of God leaning into, leaning over humanity. 
There's scriptures like this that says, For the thoughts that I think toward you, they are good and not evil to give you an expected end. For I have given you all things that pertain to life and godliness. Every good and every perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights in whom there is no shadow of turning. That there is the Spirit God is desiring good for you. Somebody say praise God. Praise God. God wants what's best for you. But how you experience God's best is you adopt the graceful posture of God. Not just leaning toward God. But leaning toward God, what God loves. When, when you realize that, 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 that one of the greatest ways that, that we will find fulfillment and joy in our life is when we, we, we step away from our tendency to be turned inward, to be focused on ourselves, and we begin to turn outward and we focus on other people. It's our nature. Just like it's our nature to resist God, it is our nature to be self-turned, to be self-focused, to be selfish. And everybody say, oh, me. Right? But, But I think it is so important for us to realize that there is a joy that comes when we sow into the lives of others. And I'm telling you, it's got to begin in the house of God. Amen. It's got to begin in your house with your family. It's got to begin with your spouse. It's got to begin with your family. Amen. The Bible says those that don't take care of their own household are worse than an infidel. Amen. And you can't, if you, if you don't see the fact, it doesn't matter what you do in church. It doesn't matter the praise of the Lord that you come up when somebody gets to talking about God. But who we are with the people that are most intimate to us, that are most important to us. Amen. That is the beginning of God's working in our life. But it can't stop in my house. It can't stop in my family. It can't stop with my children. I've got to be willing to step outside of my natural comfort zone and begin to love others, love people in the church, pray for people in the church. Amen. You know, I love to preach. I know I'm probably preaching a little longer than normal today, but I'm I'm not apologizing. (laughs) I don't do this often. enjoy preaching and I believe in the power of preaching and I know God called me to preach but I recognize I have a growing reality is my ministry cannot make anybody whole. It doesn't matter how good anyone preaches how good anybody sings for it to have the greatest effect and let's say they, they pray and they repent but the only way a person can truly be made whole is that the message they hear, it changes the way they think, it changes the way they live, and they cease to live to themselves. Someone the other day, I saw a question, what can the church do to help people that are poor and in poverty? People began to talk about uh, 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 welfare programs and things along that line. and the, We need to do what we can to help those. I'm not against completely all of that. But, but here's the deal. Jesus said, the poor you have with you always. Yep. Uh, Jesus didn't constantly go around feeding everybody that was hungry. 
He didn't always do that. It's good to do that. That's a you look in the Bible, the people that have a righteous spirit, they are giving. They are given to help people. That's supposed to be in our heart. But the bottom line is I have seen so many times when people were on the bottom and people were in need and people were low, if they could ever begin to live a life of giving, not just how can you help me? What can you do for me? How can you, can, how can you do for me what I want you to do? And they, they, they become uh, living in giving, in living in serving, living and seeing their life as part of something bigger than themselves. Amen. I've seen people's lives be transformed simply when they realize that real wholeness is found when I am involved in the process of seeing other people made whole, when I am ministering to the needs of others and not simply concerned about my own needs. Amen. If you get discouraged, you want to know how to encourage yourself, turn around and encourage someone else. Amen. Because if I give favor to others, I receive favor. If I encourage others, I'm going to be encouraged. If I pray for others, I'm going to receive prayer. It's something that happens when we recognize I am in this to win it. And we are in this together. Let's stand together. Amen. Amen. I'm going to conclude with the scripture that I read to you at the beginning of this message. The Lord sends the prophet in a time of famine. And he says, I want you to go to a widow's house. I have commanded her to take care of you. Well, the water's dry. The ravens aren't showing up. So he goes and he sees a woman and she's gathering two sticks. I think it's interesting. He's not three sticks. Not one stick, but two sticks. She didn't need a very big fire. I don't think she was lying. She literally had a handful of meal and a little bit of oil in the cruise, in the bottle. The Lord had already talked to her. The Lord had already commanded her. And the prophet had to go to her and say, uh, give me something to drink. And she goes to get him something to drink. And as she's going, he says, bring me a little piece of bread. She turns around and says, I only got a handful of meal, preacher. I've only got a drop of oil and you want me to take my last little bit and give it to you? The Lord had already talked to her. She's resisting what the Lord had said to her. But it wasn't the requesting of the man of God and what he said. He said, if you'll do this, the barrel will not go empty and the bottle will not run dry. And the Bible says that she went and did as he asked. And throughout this whole famine, till it rained, there was always a handful of meal and there was always a little oil in the, in, in the, the, the vessel. What sustained her? Her sustenance is when she realized my survival is found in me blessing someone else. I made it. She never got a UPS delivery from Amazon with a, a barrel full of meal and a, a barrel full of oil. But there was always when she got to scrape it in the bottom of the barrel. There, well, 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 looky there. 
I got a cup or two of flour and I got a little bit of oil and there are seasons of famine and there are seasons of, of, of droughts and we feel like I can't make it I've only got just enough to eat I'm going to die I want to tell you the secret to surviving the drought is be sure the first thing you do is you make somebody else a little cake because your survival is found in encouraging and blessing someone who needs your input into their life. This mighty prophet needed a poor widow to sustain him. And I truly believe this picture is a picture of the kingdom. If you find yourself in a hard time today or next week or days to come, your survival will not be found in baking a cake for yourself. Survival is going to be found by being sure that you bake a cake for someone else. Everybody say first. Can we just raise our hands, God? Thank you, Lord. There have been so many dry times. There have been so many difficult times, Lord, that you, oh God, have have sustained me. You put somebody in my life that encouraged me. And God, I pray by the help and grace of God, help me to be like that widow woman. Help me, God, to realize that the way my children will be saved is I'm going to help somebody else and their children. In the name of Jesus, I pray for the spirit of ministry. Baptize us with the spirit of ministry. Baptize us, oh God, with the spirit of service and servanthood, oh God. To sow, to give, to minister, to encourage, to uphold the weak. Lord God, to reach out and lift up those that have fallen down. That the miracle of restoration, that the miracle of reconciliation would happen before our eyes. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah.
God. We are in this together. We are in this together. thankful for the presence of the Lord that I feel here today. Thankful for the Word of God. It's good to have Sister Veronica here today. Amen. Amen. And I know there are others that have been staying away for the circumstances we're dealing with. But it's good to see her and look forward over the next few months. We'll have others that drift back. Amen. And I'm looking forward to that. Amen. Everyone, if you're still watching, we miss you. Amen. We miss you so much, and uh, we want to see you back. Amen. Thankful for what the Lord is doing. Amen. Wednesday night, we will be back on to our normal Bible study, incredible Wednesday night service. And uh, starting Sunday, Sunday at 10 o'clock, we will have Sunday school for the children and the adults. So I encourage you to try to get here at 9.55. In fact, if you get here early for prayer, that'd be even better. So I'll be praying about 9.30. So I encourage you to get here early for prayer. Amen. Somebody might have coffee here, maybe. And uh, hallelujah. Worship will begin at 10.45. So we're looking forward to that. Somebody say praise God.